Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill. I'm the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. It's great to have you here with me for a Friday, September 1st, 2023. This is edition number 149 of season 8. We are still working our way through the Westminster Confession of Faith. Today we begin an examination of chapter 27 of the sacraments. Let's pray first and then we'll consider paragraph number one together. Our Father in heaven, as we once again come before your most holy word and we come uh, to um, uh, deal with and, and understand the two sacraments of the church that the Lord Jesus Christ has given to his people, we pray that we would uh, draw strength from these times uh, in your word, that we would further understand the sacraments of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they were given to us for our good, to help us in our journey, our pilgrimage in this world. We pray, Lord, that you by the eternal spirit would teach us, that you'd forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. While we begin a discussion of the sacraments in chapter 27, of course, after uh, this chapter, we'll look more deeply at the sacrament of baptism and then uh, deal, more, uh, deal with the sacrament of the Lord's uh, Supper. Uh, so chapter 27, paragraph 1 says, Sacraments are holy signs and seals of the covenant of grace, immediately instituted by God to represent Christ and his benefits and to confirm our interest in him, as also to put a visible difference between those that belong unto the church and the rest of the world, and solemnly to engage them to the service of God in Christ according to his word. Now, there are a number of things here in this opening paragraph that a devotional doesn't really allow me to deal with at any great length, but God willing, we'll draw out the salient elements here as given. First thing we note in this paragraph is that sacraments are holy signs and seals of the covenant of grace. This covenant that began in Genesis 3.15 after Adam and Eve had fallen in their sin, God had promised to the seed of the woman a redeemer. That covenant of grace being made between God the Father and God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we as his seed now are united, as we have already noted from the previous chapter, united to Christ. Romans chapter 4 and verse 11 he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. Now, this is describing um, Abraham, that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness, Genesis chapter 15. And so he believed God, it was counted to him as righteousness, and then God gave him the sacrament of circumcision, gave him that sign of the covenant of grace, and then, um, and then um, of course, later the sign of Passover, which is the Lord's Supper now, was given uh, to the church. It's a holy sign and seal of the covenant of grace. Uh, Genesis chapter 17, that passage I've just referred to, um, but it might not be a bad idea just to look at this. Uh, Genesis chapter 17 and verses 7 
as well as verse 10 and 11. So in Genesis 15, verse 6, and he believed the Lord and it counted... And he counted it to him as righteousness. That is, Abraham believed the Lord. Now, Genesis 17, this comes after the doctrine of justification or the act of justification is given to Abraham. Genesis 17, verse 7. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And then verse 10. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. And so it is a sign and seal, a holy sign and seal of the covenant of grace. Now, the question, of course, becomes, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean when we talk about a sign and a seal? Well, we know what a sign is. It represents something, but it is not the something, right? I often use the example of a stop sign. We're driving down the road and we see a stop sign. Well, it signifies the need uh, to stop your car, but it doesn't stop your car. You stop your car, but it does signify the need to stop your car, and it also, in just one word, signifies many other things that will happen if you don't do what that sign says to do. For instance, you could die. You run the stop sign, another car that doesn't have a stop sign goes through the intersection at the same time, boom, you're all done. You might get pulled over. Uh, Neither one of those are very good. The first one is obviously much worse, but they're both bad. Um, You stop, good things will happen to you, the opposite of those things that I just mentioned. But what exactly is a seal? Well, a seal is something that uh, in the ancient world that was often used to stamp ownership over top of something. So, for instance, a king might be sending a letter to one of his subjects, and he would stamp his ring uh, in wax or whatever substance, and he would imprint that ring, that seal, on that document to demonstrate that this comes from the king, that this is owned by him. This is truly and authentically his. Well, the sacraments are just that. They are signs and seals of the covenant that God has made um, through the seed of the woman would come a redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's immediately instituted by God uh, to represent Christ and his benefits. Now, there are uh, four functions of a sacrament. Now, again, I'm dipping into Dr. Van Dixhorn's comments uh, regarding these four functions of the sacraments that are given to us in this first chapter. The first function is that they were first instituted by God to represent Christ and His benefits. That is to say, as Dr. Van Dixhorn puts it, quote, they point above all else to the Savior and to the blessings which flow from a vital relationship with him. One New Testament sacrament is called the participation in the body and blood of Christ, 1 Corinthians 10.16. It proclaims Christ. Sacraments point to Christ, the mediator, and his saving work. They confirm the genuineness of biblical testimony and the benefits that come to us under the terms of God's gracious covenant. So that's the first function of a sacrament. They represent Christ and his benefits. The second is that they confirm uh, 
our interest in him or in our Redeemer. They fortify or give God's authority to our interest in Christ. Here, Dr. Van Dixhorn states, says, here interest is used in the old sense of the word. Our interest means our share in or our title to something or someone. In this section, it refers to our share in our claim to Jesus Christ himself. Sacraments signify or point to our relationship with Jesus, and they seal or confirm that we belong to him by God's great grace. That is why the New Testament represents Christians in the act of participating in a sacrament as having put on Christ, Galatians 3.27. So let me see if I can flesh this out a little bit. So in baptism, our interest in Christ uh, is confirmed by God himself, especially as we baptize, uh, in, uh, well, in either case, but when, uh, using just infant baptism or pedo-baptism, uh, we are confirming that child's interest in the Redeemer in a visible way, in a visible sense. They are different. They are unique by virtue of the covenant of grace, by virtue of God's covenant, and by virtue of one or both believing parents. That child is uniquely set aside. It's not salvific, but it does uniquely place them in a relationship with God that the rest of the world does not enjoy or have. In the Lord's Supper, very much the same thing is going on. The meal is for those who have made a public profession of faith, that their interest, obviously, is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what that table pictures for them. It pictures that interest Christ had in them. And as we come to participate in that meal, it shows forth our interest in him. And indeed, we must have interest in him if we are to be saved. Third function of the sacraments is to put a visible difference between those that belong unto the church and the rest of the world. I often say this at the administration of the Lord's Supper, especially when I describe the table there as a line of demarcation between the world and in God's church or God's people. We have been called out of the world as professing Christians. Uh, The world does not participate in this meal. They have no interest in this meal because Christ has no interest in them. But we who have been recipients of God's grace come to that table as foreigners or strangers in this world that we might find strength and help in our pilgrimage as, as God's people. And so it does separate us from the world. It separates the world from the church, the church from the world. And so we are indeed different. But it also, in the fourth function, engages us to our service of God in Christ according to his word. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are baptized with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. Galatians 3.27, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That is simply to say you're clothed with Christ, his righteousness, you ought to live that way. 1 Peter 3.21, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 10.16, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? 
And so this fourth function is to engage our senses and as well as to engage our affections, our mind, heart, soul, and all of it, that we might with zeal serve the God who saved us, who set us apart in baptism, has placed that sign and seal upon us. We, are, we belong to God. We are His. I'm a baptized Christian, and I ought to live that way. When we participate, whether weekly, monthly, quarterly, once a year, however it is your church does it, when we participate in the Lord's Supper, we are publicly stating our love for the God who saved us. And so it engages us in our service to God rooted in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until the Monday edition, when we look at paragraph uh, number two, may the Lord bless you this weekend. May you walk in his ways. May you uh, endeavor to be in public worship on the Lord's day, giving praise and glory to the God who has saved you. God bless.